Father, I thank you for this chance to gather together, and I pray that you continue to use your word in our hearts, Lord, that we might know you better. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, good morning. He's still risen. He's still risen indeed. Very good. Well, uh, by raising hands, who got a head start to look at Luke chapter 1 and 2 this morning? So some of us did our homework, and so today we get to compare notes a little bit on what God has to say to us in these chapters. And the homework was to look at the theme of the kingdom coming, and looking at words such as king and kingdom, see where they show up. And every one of these sermons, as we go through Luke, two chapters at a time, there'll be a key verse that highlights the word kingdom of God. And what we want to know is, what is that? And who is this king? A lot of people have ideas on who this king is. We looked at last week. There's a lot of different reports out there on who Jesus is. And a lot of them are wrong. And so we really want to figure out who is this king. And for some of us, we might have situations in our life where it feels like the king hasn't arrived yet. Situations that look like the kingdoms of this world are winning. That the kingdoms of this world are inflicting suffering. And so as you think about your life, And where that situation might be, this message, this word from Luke 1 and 2, is aimed right at that. It's aimed at right at that situation in your life, asking yourself the question, where is the king here? And I pray that by the end of the sermon, maybe by the end of the day with some reflection after a Sunday afternoon nap, you'll be able to see God making himself evident in your life in that area. So today we're going to be looking at three different announcements through these chapters of angels that show up and they make an announcement that there's a new king in town. And back in the day when the Roman Empire ruled just about everything, the leader of that empire was a pretty big deal. They called him the Caesar. And when there was a new Caesar who gained a victory, they would call that an announcement good news because there's a new king that's bringing peace to the kingdom. They would call that a gospel announcement, the good news. And they would go and send heralds out to blow the trumpets and say, town to town, they'd say, good news, there's a new king in town who will bring you peace. And so when Jesus shows up, It's amazing to see these angels going around as heralds saying, good news, good news. However, in the very first verse after the intro, I think it's verse 5, the first words it says, it doesn't say King Jesus, it it says King Herod was king at the time, and then begins. And already we see a clash of kingdoms. There's other kingdoms in place. Where we pick up next week at the beginning of chapter 3, it's almost uh, over the top how Luke starts chapter 3. He lists off five kings in a row, saying, 
Now, Pontius Pilate was king of this. King Herod was king of that. Sh- rattling off the powers that be, the kings and kingdoms that people might be thinking, boy, I don't know how God's going to work in that situation. And so there's three royal announcements here. And the first one is a priest named Zechariah. And he's sitting in the temple. It says that he's an old, older man. And it's his chance to burn incense in the temple of God. Now the temple was seen as the throne room of the creator of the universe. And I did a little research from what I learned. You get one chance in your lifetime as a priest to serve in this capacity, to enter into the holy place and burn incense. And so, not only had this man grown in years without any children, he'd also grown in years and he was probably wondering, am I even going to get a chance to do this? And it was his chance. And so he walks into the throne room of God and an angel appears and begins, begins to give this herald, this trumpet announcement that the king is coming and that Zechariah would have a son who would prepare the way for the coming king. And he didn't quite expect that. He said, how can this be? I'm older in years. And because of that, he was told that he wouldn't be able to speak until this came true. And I just think about how he was told that the unexpected was about to happen in the coming king arriving. And his first reaction was, was, look, I've been around a while, Mr. Angel. (laughs) I am not expecting that. And so, as time goes on, he ends up seeing these things fulfilled. And Zechariah's faith begins to grow. And he says in these verses, he gives a prophecy sharing his delight, his reaction to this news. And so he says this, he says, Praise the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has visited and redeemed his people. He has sent us a mighty Savior from the royal line of his servant David, just as he promised through his holy prophets long ago. Notice here it says, He has visited and redeemed his people. He already sees this as a done deal. I find that interesting. His hope is so great at this point, it's basically done. I think that's awesome. We'll go to the next slide of verses. He says, Now we will be saved from our enemies and from all who hate us. For he has been merciful to our, our ancestors by remembering his sacred covenant the covenant he swore with an oath to our ancestor Abraham. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear and holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. And he wraps up here. He says, this is to his newborn child. He says, you, my little son, will be called the prophet of the Most High because you will prepare the way for the Lord. You will tell his people how to find salvation through forgiveness of their sins. Because of God's tender mercy, this is amazingly poetic and beautiful. He says, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death and to guide us to the path 
of peace. That's why at the beginning of the sermon I thought to ask you, what's that dark situation where you don't see the king arriving? Because the news of the kingdom arriving gives Zechariah this reaction. It says that the, the light... Let me find it there. It says, The morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. The morning light of heaven is ready to break upon that situation in your life through the arrival of the king. So let's move on to Mary. Mary receives the second visit from an angel. And you'll see a lot of parallels in this one. It says that Mary was betrothed to be married to, Dave, uh, to Joseph. And it makes special note that Joseph was a descendant of King David. So already you see this theme of competing kings. So a descendant of a king is having a child. Well, that's a pretty big deal, especially when that promised child receives this promise. And so we'll look at the verse here. It says, the angel tells Mary, it says, You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. Watch what it says here next. It says, The Lord will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever, and his kingdom will never end. Wow. That's the first time in the gospel we see this word kingdom show up. And it is packed with promise. Packed with promise. I wish I could more clearly see this fully taking place where Christ is king. And in heaven we will see it perfectly. And yet it takes hope to see that right now. Just as it took hope for Zechariah to believe that. Just as it took hope for Mary to believe that. And it's wonderful to see Mary here. They predict she was a teenager, most likely, at this time. I mean, junior high or high school. And yet she understands how to have faith and hope. And sometimes our youth are a refreshed reminder to us of how to hope. Sometimes we call it naivety, right? Well, they don't really know how the world works yet. And yet sometimes they can remind us something really beautiful. And next week at Youth Sunday, you're going to hear about the world that they hope for, the kingdom of God they hope for. They haven't given up on that yet. They're just getting going, imagining what the world could be. And I think that's beautiful. I think it's beautiful that Mary is an example of this. She says to this angel, okay. She places her hope in that. And she receives the first beatitude of the gospel later on when she's with Elizabeth. Elizabeth says, blessed are you because you believed what the Lord had said. Let's go to the third announcement in these chapters. 
Oh, Mary's song. <laughs> Thank you. Let's look at what Mary, how she responds now. She says, Oh, how my soul praises the Lord, how my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he took notice of his lowly servant girl, and from now on all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one is holy, and he has done great things for me. He shows mercy from generation to generation to all who fear him. His mighty arm has done tremendous things. He has scattered the proud and haughty ones. He has brought down princes from their throne and exalted the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things and sent the rich away with empty hands. He has helped his servant Israel and remembered to be merciful. For he made this promise to our ancestors, to Abraham and his children forever. You know, Zechariah made the same comment. He said, God, you had made this promise to Abraham. That was a long time before Zechariah. Over a thousand years. And yet God's people were clinging to the promises that they could see were being faithfully fulfilled century after century, millennium after millennium. And so as we sit 2,000 years later after these words are spoken, we're still clinging to these same promises. We're looking back on God's faithfulness just as they were looking back on God's faithfulness. And that fuels our hope for the future. The hope that the kingdom is coming. And that the kingdom is here. Because when a king arrives, guess what? The kingdom is there. All right, now we're going to go to the, the shepherds here. And this is pretty remarkable. There's full force here. I mean, these other announcements were one was in private to Zechariah, the other one was to a young girl in the countryside of Galilee. But now we see the inauguration of a king with all of his troops lined up, all right? And so as we look at this scripture, it says that an angel showed up to some shepherds at night and he said, don't be afraid. I bring you good news. In other words, that word, I bring you a gospel, an announcement of a new king that will bring great joy to all people the Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Suddenly the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven. I wish I could have seen that. Someday we will, if we know King Jesus. But they're joined by the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, Glory to God in highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. You see, when a perfect, all-powerful, all-loving God shows up on the scene and brings a kingdom that lasts forever, there is peace for the people of God. And that's what's promised here, is that there will be peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. So the shepherd's reaction, they go and they share this with everybody they know. <laughs> it's wonderful news. That's their reaction. 
And Jesus, when he's eight days old, they bring him back to the temple to dedicate him. And there's two people at the temple there. The first is Simeon. He'd been waiting there as an old man, knowing that God had promised him personally that he would see the king. And when he saw him, he rejoiced. It says here, it says, At that time there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him. You see that? That he was eagerly waiting. In other words, he had hope. He had hoped that this king was coming. Even though Rome ruled their lands, I don't know what heartaches he might have had through life, he maintained hope in this king. Another person that was waiting was Anna. She also was well along in years. It says that she came along just as Simeon was talking with Mary and Joseph and she began praising God. And she talked about the child to everyone who had been waiting expectantly for God to rescue Jerusalem. Again, there's this anticipation for the king to come. Man, they know that they need it. And yet it's easy to lose hope sometimes. It's easy to think that the kingdoms of this world are too well established. And we miss out on seeing that the kingdom is on the move. Go to this last slide here. Our king has arrived. Amen, church? And we don't just celebrate that on Christmas. <laughs> we can do that right now in spring, even though it is a little snowy outside. But the king has arrived. And what does that mean for us as a church? Can you relate to any of these characters? Do you feel like Zechariah, where it's like, you know what, I have waited so long for this, and you're beginning to lose hope? Or maybe you're newer in your faith, and you can relate to Mary, where you hear the Lord saying, you can have hope in this situation, and just right away you can say, yeah, all right, let's do that. Let's hope in that. We'll see next week that there are formidable kings out there. If you read chapters 3 and 4 next week, Satan takes Jesus and says, look at all the kingdoms of the world. And at the end of the chapter, Jesus says to his disciples, we're going to go preach about the kingdom of God because that is why I was sent. Laser-like focus. When we have our hope set correctly on the kingdom of God, we participate in the kingdom of God. When you believe that the king is really here, you're less likely to sit hands folded. We have the opportunity, church, to join a king that has arrived. And that is what the rest of this gospel is about. That's the re what the rest of the book of Acts is about. It's about God's people joining into the kingdom that the king has brought.
After service, I'd encourage you to go chat with each other out in our fellowship hall in the Faith Cafe. And if you want a prompt to help get yourselves talking beyond the weather, (laughs) a, a question you can ask each other, one question could be what What was a king in your life before King Jesus arrived? Or what's a king in your life that you desperately want to be replaced by King Jesus? What does it mean that the king has arrived in your life? I want you to ponder that. And next week we're going to look at it with fresh and young eyes what it means to hope in Jesus. And as we've done our sermon series so far, we've talked about the journey of faith. We've talked about commitments of love. And it seems fitting to follow the theme of faith, hope, and love here. Now we're talking about hope and what that means for us. The light of heaven, may it break over your dark situations. In Jesus' name. Let's pray. God, the announcement that the King has come continues to echo and ring through the centuries. We announce it here this morning that the King has arrived. Help teach us what that means in our lives, in our pains, in our situations. Help us to have hope that your kingdom is coming. Lord, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.